0: It's amazing, it's uh, things like hands laid on a shoulder and a head, it's just a, what a marvelous place of meeting. Uh, You don't know how, I'm sure it blesses uh, Tyler and John as well that we do that from week to week, but bless you all for your hands this morning. Well I'm excited and I hope uh, you will be also, I know you're probably more excited about next week than this week or at least curious if nothing else because of the topic for next week, Uh, revolutionary sex is next week. And um, I can't wait to hear what Tyler and John have to say about that at our services. I would say that's one of the privileges of being a uh, a rector is uh, helping to design the sermon schedule, who's going to preach when. And um, I think it's a great opportunity for those two guys to hold forth on that topic. I just, I'm excited and looking forward to that. But this week as well, uh, remember we are in this six-week sermon series about, uh, it's a It's so weird. It's revolutionary. And what is really so weird is that we are weird. As I mentioned last week at the annual celebration, here we were gathered on Sunday evening when there's the the, uh, pre-Super Bowl games going on and uh, football fans wanting to be glued to their television, yet across the room of the annual celebration last week were folks who had chosen to be here for the annual celebration who love football and did that. For the church, their church, and for the Lord. Bless their hearts. That's weird. We're weird. But it's a good weird. It's simply saying that we tend to uh, very deliberately go against the grain of our culture. We're always kind of pressing this way, and the the current of the culture is trying to pull us that way. And uh, we go with it. It's great. So today, our topic is Rhythm of Life. So we're not talking about so much relationships today. Uh, We're really primarily talking about you as an individual, as a single person, because I want to talk to you in terms of the rhythm of your life about what you value and what you hold most important, because to be against the grain of the culture is to say that we desire our rhythm of life to be a rhythm that is with God. It's not with the world. It's to be in the world, as has been said for the ages, to be in the world, but not of the world. Exodus and Matthew today have to be a backdrop to our thoughts today. I'm not going to go into them in any specific fashion, but both of them have this vital frame of reference that your life as a follower of Jesus is to be, first of all, oriented towards uh, the vertical, if you will, towards the Lord, and that the Lord and His desires for us is oriented towards our well-being. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's for your benefit. It's not something to, to hold you in constraint and to punish you in any way, to constrict you, but it's there for a reason and for a purpose to bless your life. So simply to put this in context, I, I want to call to mind a few um, wise words from other people speaking from this experience, and one of them that comes to mind just that I filed away years ago was the astronaut Charles Duke, who was um, a Carol- born in North Carolina and was the youngest man to walk on the moon in 1972, the 10th and youngest man, and um, after that, he had a primary, fundamental reorientation about his spiritual life. And he acknowledged, he said, when he walked on the moon 20 years before, he was speaking of this in 1992, all he wanted of God was an hour on Sunday morning. Just wanted to get his ticket punched. And he said he later found that money, power, and fame. He was an astronaut. He walked on the moon. Everybody followed him and admired him and uh, the adulation of all, you know, all those who followed the space program. And he later said that money... Power and fame are not enough to bring a fulfilling life. You always want more, and more doesn't satisfy either. Or Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that great martyr of World War II, who wrote in his Cost of Discipleship, that great piece of work that he wrote, Christianity preaches the infinite worth of that which is seemingly worthless, and the infinite worthlessness of that which is seemingly so valued. Conflict and contrasting with the world. That's a weird thought. And more recently, Charles Stanley, the well-known evangelist and preacher and teacher, he reminds us no one can have an intimate relationship with God and remain unchanged. Thanks be to God that we can't remain unchanged. But he then presses on us a bit and says a Sunday Christian lifestyle will no longer satisfy. It's not enough. As we begin to understand who he is in that converted life, our love for him grows and motivates us to radical obedience, something more. And finally, a thought of, a bit of wisdom, so true for our lives, any road will get you there if you don't know where you are going. This is about rhythm of life this morning. This is about purposefulness. This is about intentionality. So um, here we go. Let's use this for our illustration. Some of y'all, I wonder how many may know this story. Oh, we have more. Oh, I have it. I've got it. I, I do have it. Uh, well, yeah, I'll get confused. Here's, a, here's a, a word picture. Uh, here's a, this jar is, uh, is your life and all the minutes you have of every day and of every week and of every month. And you can fill it with a whole lot of inconsequential stuff uh, that just takes up all your time. I mean, some portion of that is the television, for example, isn't it? Or perhaps reading every word of the morning newspaper, perhaps, or whatever, and if you're going to try to put things into your life that are more important, these kind of big value things, you would find that as you put them in, big value, big decisions, important items, you would find that to put them into the whole of your life and to make time for them, you run into this. Have you ever felt that way? Something important and valuable just can't fit it in. There's not enough time in the day. Is there any hope? Is there any way forward? Well, what if we were to take the big important things in our life and put them into our life as first priority? So here's that, uh, that life uh, cleared of all the clutter and debris and distraction and that reoriented life, a Charles Duke, a Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a Charles Stanley, and many, many of you. And you've decided what is important. God first. Your family, your spouse and your children, each individually. And Shazam, unlike that other cluttered life, it all has fit in, but there's more you want to do, and so there are other things of your life that aren't quite as important. They, uh, but they're good things to do, and so you want to get them in here too. How in the world is there going to be room? And yet this ordered life, this intentional life, this purposeful life with the big stuff put in at first, and your life oriented around that big stuff, and there's room for all that too this time. And yet, if there's more to fill it up. You can even take some of the more of the trivia of your life and add it as well because you got the big rocks in first, the important things, and there's room for the big rocks and there's room for everything else in your life as well when done in the right order. So there's a lesson here, and it's not to try to squeeze more into your life and cram it in and. And work it in there. But the lesson there is if you don't put the big rocks in first, you'll never get them in at all. Remember this. Look at that. So, rhythm of life. This is about being intentional. Using intentional, if you will, as a holy word. Holy intention. Um, All these kind of random definitions of that word. um, just applied to this whole idea of rhythm of our life. It means it's done on purpose. It's deliberate. It's calculated. It's planned. It's meant. It's purposeful. It's pre-planned and premeditated. It's designed. Um, It's a conscious decision we make. It's calculated. It's weighed and valued for its value. And uh, whether it fits or not, it's reasoned and studied. Holy intention. So, brothers and sisters, what I want to ask you this morning is to do some self-examination as you go out from this service and into the week ahead and simply ask and perhaps even write down, what are the big rocks in your life? Have you chosen the right big rocks and are the big rocks for your rhythm of life in place? I don't know what yours are, but I thought it might be helpful if I would give a personal illustration from my life since I've had time to prepare and think about what the big rocks are in my life. And I realize that these I have been doing fairly consistently for over three decades, uh, for most of my adult life. All of them have an interesting point of reference in that each of them, once upon a time, I did not do with any intention at all. Each one of these had to be mined, if you will, and found as a valuable, priceless rock to establish the rhythm of my life. And when I do these and have done these, and I simply chose seven uh, for this personal inner introspection, I feel like all those expressions that we use fit into my life, firing on all eight cylinders when I've got my rhythm of life in the right perspective. Rocking and rolling, blowing and going, as they say. I love that boat image of getting up on a plane. You know, when that boat gets up out of the water and gets up on a plane, and it's just, it's just smooth sailing, if you will. In a groove, like a well-oiled machine. That recipe that's really cooking. Here are my seven. First big rock. Worship every Sunday. I didn't decide that when I became a priest. My heart got melted by the Lord, and as a 20-year-old kind of agnostic who finally came back to faith, I found a community of worship and began to worship again every Sunday, learning what it is to be lost in wonder, love, and praise, to rediscover in my Episcopal Anglican tradition the power and blessing of word and sacrament in my life every Sunday. And remembering and discovering that I forget, and so I need to be reminded again, Sunday worship. And secondly, a huge discovery for an introvert, small group life, small groups. And again, from my conversion in my 20s, as I moved myself back into the faith and into a a life with others, I found a group of men who wanted to Uh, begin the journey just as I was beginning, and we met in a coffee shop in Columbia, South Carolina, each of us businessmen, and that was my first small group experience. In these small groups through these three, three decades have become my closest, deepest, and richest relationships. Dear friends from Spartanburg, who I left 18 years ago now, whom I'm still in relationship with because we were in a small group together, way, way back then, 20, 25 years ago. And some of these small groups have only lasted for a few days at a Canuga Renewal Conference or a men's uh, conference weekend like the one coming up or an Alpha Overnight where there are small group meetings. Still, deep, close, rich connecting through small groups. And thirdly, this is a hard one, has been for me. It's been on my uh, covenant list every January to be more consistent and more regular and more steady about this. But I'm a whole lot better now than I used to be, and that is a daily quiet time where I sit and am still, not while I'm driving a car or going for a walk or anything else, but simply being before the Lord and imitating, I believe it's uh, Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Stillness in a chair in one place in my home to be with Him. And there to pray through my prayer journal, to lift up my voice in praise to Him, and there to open my Bible or a book that teaches me about the Bible and trying to have that intention of doing that every day, every week. And a fourth big rock for me, having to be discovered as a holy rock, Sabbath, which is rest, which is refreshment. Part of my Sabbath life is spending time on my boat, running down this creek or that river in the low country uh, waters of uh, South Carolina. Sabbath time, but also simply rest time. Realizing that even a daily Sabbath is good, a moment's respite in the middle of a busy day to stop and simply catch one's breath. And weekly Sabbath, yes, and not Sunday morning because this is a work morning for us ordained. But to realize that that Sabbath, and whether it's a Saturday or a Friday or a Wednesday, but to find that weekly rhythm that is biblically sanctioned and God-ordained and simply makes sense. If you've ever missed your Sabbath, uh, I've known people who said, I have worked 15 days without a break, 17 days without a break. And they look it, haggard and worn out, going against the grain because the world has pulled them into that grain to say, work harder, work more, work longer sabbath and yes one of my big rocks is what i call one weekend per year but it has been for the last 20 plus years of a, um, a, a week at the renewal conference of canuga that has been the foundation piece of ellen's and my one weekend of of the year given to the lord and given attention to our journey with him but whether it's the men's conference coming up or the women's conference coming up but some place where i have made a decision to um even multiply that one weekend and make it two or three or four weekends of the year given to the Lord. Profound, significant healing, growth, maturing, and transformation. And added to these big rocks is one that is really important to me, but is a bit more mundane and may sound simply uh, practical, but it's uh, deeply holy, spiritually satisfying, and that is exercise. And now eating healthy. I have found that when I don't exercise, my whole spiritual life is impacted negatively. And when I do exercise, my whole spiritual life is impacted positively. I used to try exercising at lunchtime, at supper time, after work, and in the morning, various different times and Most of those times did not work for me. I finally made a decision one day about 15 years ago and said, if this is so important and it needs to be done essentially in a regular daily fashion, if it's so important, then do it first, Mike. And if your prayer and Bible study time is so important, don't put it off either. Do it first. So on my best days and my best rhythm, I'm up, I'm out, and I accomplish that exercise. And I come back and shower, and I accomplish that quiet time. Then I feel like I can handle the rest of the day and handle it in a wholesome way. And finally, a seventh big rock. And this is the most surprising of all to me. If you were to ask my friends at, as a college student at Sewanee about my generosity, they would have laughed in your face because uh, I was no, no more for my stinginess and my hoarding and not even willing to share. They used to make fun of me because I would not share a bite of my waffle at the local waffle house. And uh, where others were sharing around. And I wanted the whole waffle for myself. So this was a huge point of conversion for me also in my life in Christ. And that is something for others. Not merely a bite of the waffle. Perhaps my time, maybe a gift I can offer. But also I realized that thing which I tended to worship, which was the dollar bill. What a change from then and now. Last night at the firehouse in Hollywood celebrating birthdays in our family, Gene Lumpkin's birthday, and laying down that 20% tip card serving St. Paul's servers, and laying down a 20% tip for that lovely waitress that waited on us over there. I expect she was blessed by a, a meal that served five individuals there and a tip that was uh, corresponding to the cost of the meal. So... Those are mine. Um, I probably have left something out even. Remember this frame of reference is the individual's rhythm of life, not so much my relationship and the the big rocks of my family life or my my life with the Lord in a specific, intentional way, except as it's woven into this. But what I want to bring to you and ask you today is to consider as an exercise in the week ahead. is to look at your own life, and I would urge you to write down what are your big rocks? Have you ever stopped and intentionally chosen what they are to be? Is there the possibility that any should, be, uh, should not be big rocks and you've made them big rocks in terms of your time and commitment to them? So you find those right big rocks. There are some examples, illustrations I've offered. There may be others. And you remember then to put those big rocks into your life first, and you'll have room for everything else as well in due time and in due season. All right, that's kind of weird. That's a little different from the way the world does it. This is about holy intention. It's about being weird. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's revolutionary. Amen.